Okay, Luke's gospel. Let's go there together. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion. And it will not be taken away from her. You know, when we think about the reality that the creator of everything, the one who spoke all things into existence by the very breath of his mouth, the one who sustains and holds the universe together in the palm of his hand, the one who entered into his own creation by taking on human flesh, suffering, and dying a cruel death on a cross so that he could save sinners who rebelled against him and bring them into a personal relationship with him. And when you think about that, it is absolutely incredible, stunning even, that we neglect time with him the way that we do. Does anybody else struggle with that this morning? Ignoring the one who has done so much just to have a relationship with us? Why is it that even in our activity for God, that, that is all the things that we do for Him, we still struggle to spend time with Him? I'm talking about this morning sitting still and listening without distraction to the words of God. Now, homiletically, we are to approach this passage of Scripture on its own. That is, we are looking this morning as we are at verses 38 through 42 in and of itself. But there does seem to be a thread in the whole of chapter 10 that hits at a recurring theme. For, for, for example, 
At the beginning of Luke chapter 10, we were reminded of the 72 that were sent out to do ministry. And you'll remember, they came back thrilled at what they were doing in the name of Jesus. But what did Jesus do? He pulled them back. And he said, don't rejoice in what you're doing. Rejoice that you belong to me. Then we come to the Good Samaritan as we looked at last week and through the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells the lawyer that there was absolutely nothing that he could perfectly do in order to be accepted by God. Instead, Jesus was implying that it's believing in him. It's trusting me. It's listening to me. And I will give you eternal life. Now we take a look at two sisters, Mary and Martha. One in this scene is fully focused on listening to Jesus while the other is focused only on doing something for Jesus. You see the thread? The thread of Luke chapter 10 seems to be that Jesus is trying to teach us something very important about the basics of the Christian life. That there is something more important than what you do for him. And here we have it in this sibling rivalry. But let me tell you, The purpose of this scene is not to pit these sisters up against each other as if to suggest that Mary only ever sat at the feet of Jesus and she never served or she never did anything. That's not the point. In fact, it would be wrong to come to that conclusion. Neither does it suggest that being active like Martha in service for Jesus, is wrong and should never be expected or asked of from followers of Christ. That's not what this is about. This passage is about priorities. It's about understanding that only one thing among the many Things in our life. Only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is essential. And on this day, Mary made the best choice. The choice to do the necessary thing. The essential thing. And so let's look at this together. And the first thing that I want you to see is the devotion of a Jesus-serving family. The devotion of a Jesus-serving family. Verse 38 says, now as they went their way, uh, Jesus entered into a village. Now, the village here that he's referring to is the town of Bethany. This is the place where uh, Mary and Martha lived. They also had a brother whose name was Lazarus. And Jesus was very close to this family. He, He frequented their home. He found it to be a place he could rest and unwind and relax. And I think it's good for us to see Jesus with close friends like this. Many of us have some friendships that do indeed feel like family. Places to which we know we can go to unwind and get comfortable and relax with the company around us. This was true for Jesus and these three siblings. 
He loved them. He loved spending time with them. He loved hanging out with them. In fact, in John chapter 11, it records Jesus weeping, weeping when Lazarus, their brother, had died. It's all a scene of a, of a unique bond. There's something special between Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. And here in verse 38, we see them welcoming Jesus into their home as they've done, no doubt, on many occasions. Now, I've reflected much on that phrase in verse 38 this week where it says they welcomed him into their home. Did you notice that a moment ago? They welcomed him into their home. I, I, I wonder this morning, and I don't want to spend time here just, just to throw it out there. Is it evident that your home is a place Jesus is welcomed? Is your life a place where Jesus is welcomed? Your family, does your family know that Jesus is, is there and his presence is the center peace of all that we do, Mary and Martha and Lazarus gladly welcomed Jesus into their home. And I don't take this to mean or, or even to, to, to think or imagine that perhaps there was some arguments going on from time to time about when it would be good to invite Jesus over, you know? Hey, what are we doing Tuesday night, Mary says. Martha says, well, I've got this ball practice we've got to take the kids to. Lazarus said, don't schedule anything for Tuesday because I've got this club I'm a part of and I can't miss it. You know, it's hunting season. <laughs> and then they're, they're arguing about when a good time would be for Jesus. I don't, I don't think that's the thing. I think Jesus had a standing invitation. Whenever Jesus is here, everything else stops, right? Everything else stops. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that Jesus always understands he is welcomed into our life. He is welcomed into our home. This was a Jesus-serving family. And I want you to picture this. They were devoted to Christ, all of them. All of them were devoted to Christ. And as we see, one of the primary ways they served him was through hospitality. Hospitality. They welcomed him into their home. Followers of Christ are called to a ministry of hospitality, by the way. Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And hospitality is not just warmly welcoming others into our lives. It is generously ministering to them. That's hospitality. And hospitality works collectively together with generosity. It's, it's, it's why I am so thankful to be a part of what we've already talked about this week in a, a church that has been generous and hospitable to this family, the Perez family, and many of you will continue to do that today. That's what it means here. Hospitality is not just warmly welcoming people into our lives. It's generously ministering to them. It's what we as Christians should be known for. And on this day, Jesus gives us a peek inside the windows of this house. Now, some of you, very strangely, may be guilty of looking inside the windows of your neighbors. I don't recommend that, by the way, for many reasons, one of which is legal reasons. 
But Jesus is going to give us a peek inside the windows this morning. And one of the first things we see as we peek inside is we see a family serving Jesus. They're serving Jesus. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet listening to him teach. And Martha is preparing to serve Jesus and their guest with a meal. So before we go any further in this story and you think that we're pitting these women up against each other and one is always right and one is always wrong, before we go any further, let's make it clear right now that in this family we see a picture of devotion to Christ. This is what it looks like to be a Jesus-serving family. And Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were exactly that. They were a Jesus-serving family. All right, I want you to write down the second thing that we see, and this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Because the second thing is this. There is a danger of getting things out of order. There is a danger of getting things out of order. So Mary is sitting and listening. Verse 39, she sat at the Lord's feet and listened, listened to his teaching. I point out to you that Mary is listening, listening. What's most important to her is hearing the words of God, spending time learning from Christ. She is listening to his voice. She is listening to his word. She is giving him undivided attention. John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep, Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The Lord's true sheep love to listen to the voice of Jesus. That is, we know his voice. We love his word, and we enjoy listening to it. If we could be anywhere we would want to be, it would be sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words being spoken, hearing his word being taught. So don't look at this scene in Mary and suggest that she is just some Mrs. Super Religious person. No, she's simply a follower of Jesus. And she is doing what followers of Jesus love to do. They love to listen to the words of God. She loves spending time with Christ. And on this day, she is giving her undivided attention to his teaching. Mary is sitting and listening. Martha is serving, but distracted. She's serving but distracted. That's the words that Jesus uses here. She's distracted. Now, what is she distracted from? Well, she's distracted from listening to Jesus teach. That's what she's distracted from. That's not what she's distracted with. We'll see what she's distracted with here in a moment. But what she's distracted from is listening to Jesus teach. She's distracted from Hearing his words. 
I think we need to strongly evaluate from time to time the things that are distracting us from listening to God's Word. The things that are distracting us from giving Him our undivided attention. Think about it in a corporate setting. People ask me from time to time, Pastor, do you, do you think it's wrong for me to have my Bible on my phone or my Bible on my iPad? No, I'm, I'm using an iPad right now. However, if you are faced with the temptation in the middle of worship and sermon to check on your fantasy football team, because that iPad and that phone can do a whole lot of things other than read you the Bible, it might not be best for you to use the Bible on your iPad in corporate worship because you're going to check Twitter or X or whatever it will be tomorrow and uh, Facebook and my fantasy football team and the pastor's story is really boring right now so I'm going to scroll on my dating app to see who I can maybe uh, call this week or whatever the case may be. If that is the problem for you, then you may need to evaluate it. Okay? Right, I'm not preaching against it. No, 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 let's not come on or amen. Or I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's, look, it's, we, just, we, we, have to, we have to evaluate these things in our life. It's why we have a nursery ministry. Oh, I'm so glad, so glad for all the children that God has brought to our church and he keeps bringing to your womb. I just want to encourage you. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Birth them out, baby, let's go. That's how we change the world for Christ. We have babies. We teach them Jesus. Let them go out and take the gospel around the world. But you know what? We, we also intentionally, we intentionally have trained, qualified, background checked, people who have been trained by uh, medical professionals for emergency purposes to watch the smallest of those children who don't have a clue what's going on in here. And, and, and we do that because we don't want to distract you, mom and dad. And we don't want to distract others around you from hearing the word of God. It's why we got a mother's nursing room. So if you need to slip out and do that, you can do that. But my point is we need to regularly evaluate these things, whether it be corporate worship, corporate worship, whether it's in our personal, every day-to-day -day life, regularly looking at whether or not we have some unnecessary distractions hindering us from actually giving God our undivided attention. Martha's distracted from hearing God. And she's distracted because of her, look at this verse 40, much serving, much serving. Now, church serving is not wrong. As followers of Christ, we are called to serve Jesus. Do you hear me? We are called to serve Jesus. This right here is a good example. And I want you to listen to me carefully. This is a good example of when a good thing can become a bad thing. When a good thing can become a bad thing because the good thing takes the place of the best thing. You got it? Let me say it again. This is a good example of when a good thing becomes a bad thing because the good thing took the place of the best thing. So again, this is not a story about whether should I serve or should I listen to him teach. This is not that. This is about priorities. 
It's about priorities. It's about the one thing that is necessary. It's about making the best thing the first thing. And if you'll look closely, you'll notice that what Jesus confronts in Martha is not her activity. Never once does he condemn her for her activity. He condemns her, or I should choose a better word, he rebukes her for her attitude. Her attitude. Now, I want to tell you something. I resonate with Martha. In fact, if I was a girl, my name would be Martha. (laughs) Martha has a big to-do list. Jesus is in her home. She doesn't want things to be dirty. She doesn't want things to be presented in any manner that is less than excellent. I imagine... She even showed them how to put lines in the carpet when they were vacuuming. That's how I imagine Martha. I can see her now. You know why I can see her now? Because I see me. I can see her. She's so happy. She's so happy to welcome him into her home. But, oh, there was so much she wanted to do. She wanted to straighten the furniture. She wanted to put away the laundry. She wanted to light some candles so a good, nice fragrance would fill the room. She wanted to clean the dishes and pick up the toys and throw out the dirty diapers and hang the dog out to dry. She wanted to do everything she could to even prepare the best meal that she could possibly serve because Jesus is here. I mean... This hosting thing, that was her thing. That was her thing. Nobody hosted like Martha hosted. And verse 38 indicates that perhaps those 72 that we read about early in the chapter might have been with them, ladies. Because notice what it says in verse 38. As they went on their way. Jesus comes to this village. Well, who's the they? Well, it's at least the 12, if not 72 more than that. Can you imagine the possibility of this? (laughs) Not just Jesus, but potentially a very large number are with him at their home. Now, she's welcomed them. Don't misunderstand this. She's welcomed them. They're not intruding in on her. In fact, she lives for this. She lives for this. I mean, in her mind, there's a lot to be done in order to do this right. But don't misunderstand the words much serving to describe this as Martha being given too much. This is where I'm convicted. I do not believe Martha was given too much. It wasn't that this was too much of a task, but rather that she made the task something that was too much. She made the task something that was too much. It wasn't that the task was too much. She made the task that was too much. You understand? Martha did what we so often do. Hey, Martha did, my kids, 
what I often do. We subtly make the serving about us. It wasn't so much about what Jesus wanted. It was about what Martha wanted to give Jesus. It was her expectations for herself. It was her expectations for her family. It was her expectations for her home that caused her to be overwhelmed the way that she was with much serving. I mean, consider her first complaint, verse 40. She goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. It's a self-serving, self-righteous complaint. I'm doing all the work and no one else seems to care. Now, I, I recognize that in some cases of our lives, there is an unfair disadvantage here. But that's not this situation. This situation is the result of Mary making this too much about herself. And it begs the question, who is it that we're really serving? Who is it that you're really serving? Jesus? Or yourself? Have you ever stopped to consider the possibility, the possibility that everything you are so overwhelmed by, everything you are so busy with this morning is just self serving expectations that you have set for yourself and not expectations that Christ or anyone else has set for you. This is the danger of getting things out of order, church. When we attempt to do things in the name of Jesus without spending necessary time listening to Jesus, our doing becomes self-serving and self-righteous. And when our doing becomes self-serving and self-righteous, our spirit becomes bold and bossy. What a bold question. She asked Jesus in verse 40. Lord, oh my goodness. I would have loved to see the look on his face. Lord, do you not care? That my sister isn't helping me? <laughs> Martha doesn't do very well with people she doesn't think is helping enough. Can you imagine her standing there with one hand on her hip and a frying pan in the other? <laughs> Lord, do you not care that my sister's not helping me? Huffing and puffing, that's what happens. If you want to know whether or not someone is really concerned about whether or not you're not helping enough, you don't have to listen to what they say. You listen to the noises they make. <laughs> 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 I 
here. Oh, nothing. I'm just cleaning. Just cleaning. Just cleaning. I think this is exactly what Martha was doing. She wasn't loading the dishwasher. She was loading the dishwasher. (laughs) Shoving it in there. Closing the curtains. Banging the pans. Walking in the living room. Mary's just enjoying time with Jesus. Can I get you anything, Mary? (laughs) Mary, would you like some tea? Would you like some coffee? I mean, it might as well serve you too. By the way, this was Martha's personality. Remember what she said when Lazarus died to Jesus? If you had been here. Bold. You get bold when you make it about you. And then, and then it don't get better. Her attitude in serving has made her a little hard to be around. Her attitude in serving has made it a little hard to be around her. And that's when the bossiness comes out. Tell her, Jesus, verse 40, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Martha felt that what she was doing was actually more important than what Mary was doing. Can I just say this morning... And the Lord knows my heart because this is me. We need to take our work for the Lord very seriously. Give him your best. Serve with excellence. Be on time. Do whatever you can to give God your best. But listen to me. It is very foolish to overestimate our own importance. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her. Martha, Martha. I believe this was a gentle tone from Jesus. By the way, aren't you thankful that Jesus deals with us gently? I am. He's not screaming at her. Martha! Martha! Listen to me! He's not doing that. It was a compassionate rebuke wrapped in tenderness and gentleness. Martha, Martha. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Absalom, Absalom. I know what you're doing, Martha, and I love you for doing it. But you're allowing yourself to get so worked up about stuff that's not most important. She's got things out of order. Her doing has become self-serving and self-righteous. Her spirit now has become bold and bossy, and now her attitude is overwhelmed with worry and frustration. In fact, Jesus says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious, worried, troubled, frustrated about a whole lot of stuff. She's worried it's not going to get done and everyone's going to think she's a poor host. 
She's frustrated that no one is helping her and that perhaps the dinner is not going to come out as nicely as she envisioned. I mean, after all, she can't just order Papa John's. Martha wasn't serving from a place of grace. She was serving from a desire for approval and acceptance on the basis of what she could do for Jesus. And when it wasn't coming out the way she had planned, she totally falls apart. Can I just remind you this morning? We are not accepted by God by the sweat of our brow. We are accepted by God by the blood of his son. God doesn't anymore accept you or approve you on what you do for him. It's what Jesus has done for you. So, but again, I always feel like I have to clarify this. this. This scene in Scripture is not about being busy because even Jesus was busy. Remember, he was so busy in ministry at one point, the Bible says they didn't even have time to stop and eat. We have days like that. We have seasons like that. This is not about being busy. Busy is not a bad thing. It's not about hard work. It's not about serving. It's not about giving God our best. Every one of those things is commendable in Scripture. In fact, let me read just one of them to you. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 46. Jesus says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find him doing when he returns. So Martha's activity isn't the problem. Her busyness is not the problem. Her serving and hard work and excellence isn't the problem. It's her attitude that's the problem. It's not that she doesn't need to be serving. It's that she needs to be first and foremost sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's why Jesus says in verse 42, this one thing is necessary. You're troubled and frustrated and consumed Martha about a whole lot of things. But only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. And that is enjoying time with me. Listening to me. Learning from me. What Martha was doing was important. But it wasn't essential. It wasn't essential. She had made a good thing, a bad thing, because the good thing wasn't the best thing. And Jesus just simply says, Martha, Martha, I love you. But I don't need a fancy dinner. All I want is some time with you. when we get that out of order and I mean no disrespect but when we get that out of order our serving becomes useless and meaningless thirdly and finally the decision of what is absolutely necessary verse 42 one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Did you notice that Mary chose this? 
It's a decision to make. It's a decision to make. I can't help how I feel. Yes, you can. It's a choice. You're choosing this. Martha chose what she chose. Mary chose what she chose. Now, don't be mistaken. I believe Mary had a to-do list. Now, Martha may have been the one who made it for her, as we Marthas are prone to do. But she had a to-do list nonetheless. Yet she chose to set the to-do list aside in order to do the first and best thing, which was listening to the teaching of Jesus. She knew nothing was more important than that. But Satan is so very good at making everything else feel more important, more urgent than sitting down with Jesus. He's so very good at making me feel that way the first thing in the morning when I should be giving my mornings to Jesus, sitting, listening, hearing. I got to go here. I got to go this. And I got to be done by this time so that I don't miss that. Even on the Lord's Day, when there's so much to do in the name of Jesus, if we get it out of order, we will miss the most important thing, and that's not the coffee. And it's not the tool. Well, it is, the tool, it is important. I don't mean that the tool paper is not important, but I think you understand what I mean. It's not the smudges on the glass in the bathroom. That's better. It's listening to Jesus. It's listening to Jesus. That's why we need hard truth like this one. And when we make the right choice, listening to Jesus first and foremost, then we are choosing the good portion. Let's wrap up with this. The good portion, it's, it's an inheritance that will never be taken away from us. Think about it like this. Jesus is saying, what we do may fail, but God's word transmitted in our lives will never be taken away. It will accomplish God's purpose in us every single time. Everything else passes away, but the words of the Lord remain forever. You see, the food that Martha served to her guests will disappear. But the food that Jesus gave to Mary will meet a hunger in her life that will forever satisfy. The psalmist said, my flesh and my heart will fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. If you could summarize this all in one simple statement, which I know many of you wish I would have done 40 minutes ago, it would be this. Mary learned that day that a light meal and more time with Jesus would have been more appropriate. She learned that a lighter meal and more time with Jesus would have been more appropriate. So the question is for me and you, what is it that we need to learn to ensure that we are starting with Jesus and spending appropriate time with Jesus? We try to think through these things practically. We recently shifted to a rotation in our children's ministry because we felt that we were being extremely unfair to the workers by not allowing them any time, not intentionally, 
to sit at the feet of Jesus on Sunday morning and worship. And they've just recently come to me and say, Pastor, we're so thankful that we can enjoy worshiping on Sunday mornings now. And we'll be ready to serve again. But first things first. There's, there's, there's nothing spiritual about only showing up to church the day that you have nursery. In fact, if that's the only day you show up to church, if you have nursery, and I hope this is going into the nursery, then we don't want you to serve in nursery. Because first things first, sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's why, it is why I take, and I've not always done this, but I go to such lengths to get away to pastor's conferences and have guest preachers in and look at others and say, I just need a break for a moment because if this is all I do all the time, I'm not fed. I've got to put first things first, even in my own life. It's easy in a church like ours to slide into a Martha routine, isn't it? Because a church like ours is incredible. We have a tremendous amount of people who serve, and they serve so well. But like you, I find myself challenged by the danger seen in Martha that often reveal themselves in me. Frustration. Worry. Oh, a lot of worry about a lot of stuff. A lot of worry about a lot of stuff. I mean, we could just park on there and that's my biggest problem. Putting more expectations on my to-do list than perhaps what Jesus even expects of me, regardless of what you think ought to be expected of me. My wife and I just had this conversation last night. Why are we so tired? Why am I out here at church at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night? And I'm not complaining. And I'm not saying that you've done that to me. But what is it in our lives right now that I have put on my plate that I think ought to be done for Jesus that Jesus has not necessarily asked me to do? I'm certainly confronted that like Martha, I may be guilty of serving myself instead of Jesus, even though I think I am serving Jesus. There's so much here, isn't it? So what do we do? These two things. My time's up. I'm going to pray. I heard the alarm go off. One, beware of the danger of a performance-driven Christian life. Pastor, we just got to do something. You don't just have to do anything. What you have to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. What you have to do is listen to Jesus. What you have to do is worship Jesus. What you have to do is enjoy Jesus. What you have to do is spend time with him. We, we don't need to create another ministry because you have to do this. So be, be careful, beware of the danger of performance-driven Religion, spirituality. Secondly, and I say this to all of us, slow down. Sit still. 
and put yourself in the regular place of listening to the word of God, hearing from Jesus, and enjoying him. And I tell you to do that because this is what Jesus said. It is the one necessary thing. Slow down. Sit still. And get under the teaching and words of Jesus. Other things are important. But this is essential. Oh, may God help us. Let's stand together for prayer.